I'm Dean Newland, and welcome to the Business of Intuition, where I coach, facilitate, train, and speak on the hard science and meaningful experience of intuitive leadership in business, so you can make better decisions, forge real connections, and creatively solve problems to amplify your impact and simplify your life. Welcome to the Business of Intuition. Okay, so my next guest here on the Business of Intuition is Sandra Crow, who is a professional certified coach. She's written a couple of great books, one called Since Strangling Isn't Enough, which I happen to love that title. And I didn't sign up for this, Seven Strategies for Dealing with Difficulty in Difficult Times. And you've had a really a wonderful background. I'm looking at your bio, Sandra, and you've lived quite a bit abroad in West Africa, in Europe, and El Salvador, or Central America, and, and in Mexico. You've had a lot of wonderful experience working with executives from uh, large companies like Marriott and Sony, and also the federal government like NASA and Census Bureau. Been on a lot of different media, being interviewed, NPR, CBS. And you've got a, a perspective that I think is unique in that you've had such a varied background. And right now, as this is being recorded, although some of us right now may not hear this for several months, we're going through a huge crisis with the COVID-19 and everybody being sequestered at home and the economy going into a tailspin. And I was thinking about a quote that I had heard recently from Ram Das that we all sign up for the uh, the school of life that we spend most of our lives complaining about the curriculum. <laughs> and I'm wondering, I'm wondering what your take is about our current situation and and this fear and this loss and and what kind of opportunities might be out there if we're open to it. And so, what's your take on all this based on all the background that you've got? So, when you're reading my bio, Dean, you were talking about all the outer things that I've done, and 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 I certainly have a list of those, as does everybody else. But the cool thing is we're all on an inner adventure right now. So no matter where you are, no matter what you're doing, and even if you feel like you're stuck at home, there's so much more than that happening. We are all being bumped up against our own ideas of what's true, what's real, the way the world is. We are bumping up against our belief systems. We're bumping up against our behavioral patterns. And we're all having to deal with different ways and different different types of loss everybody is now uh, in relationship with. So I would say that's the big, my thought on this is that we're all having our own, to a large extent, inner adventure as we move forward in the situation. I totally agree with you. And dealing with our clients, I'm having these similar conversations on an individual team and organizational level. Why do you think now why is the planet going through this now? And maybe the follow-up question to that is, what are we collectively being forced to learn? Although we didn't sign up for it, we are here in the middle of this classroom and we're all having to deal with it. And there's something about this timing that seems now's the time we need to learn something. What are we supposed to be learning here? So there's the thing you didn't deliberately sign up for, and then there's the thing you unconsciously signed up for. And I want to say that by virtue of the fact, if you are alive in this moment, you have indirectly signed up for this. 
you cannot be alive and not have signed up for this. Why? Because it is what is happening. And if what is happening is in front of your life, this is part of the difference is there's the, the consciousness piece, what you think you signed up for, and then what was signed up by you unconsciously. So this is what is happening right now is we've all signed up for this, as I said, this inner adventure that we're all on. And back to your question about purpose. So I can't tell you from an astrological point of view, although I'm sure there are many people who can from that, that helicopter perspective of the astrology. But what I feel very confident in saying is that we are all being taken collectively to the next level of growth in our and who we are as a soul and what we have, to, what our soul needs to learn and what we have to adapt to as human beings. And for each of us, that's a little bit different. But in order to get to that place, which we are all evolving to individually and collectively, that next place of elevation, that next place of emotional intelligence, individual intelligence and soul intelligence. So out of this experience that we're all being incubated in, we're all going to move to that next level of knowingness. So I see that for us individually and collectively, but I think it's multidimensional because I also think we can't take the earth out of this equation. This earth is our home and we all live here. And I do also think, because you know, a lot of times we look at things and we think we want to say it's one thing. I do think it's a number of things, it's a multitude of things. But the other thing in terms of the earth is, I do think the earth is talking to us. And the earth is saying, we want a break. The earth wants a break from us. So the earth can recover. The earth can recuperate. And as you probably heard, um, there's been something going around in India, in the Himalayan mountains. They can now, for the first time in 30 years, actually see the mountains from a number of different angles because the pollution has cleared. So the viewpoint is clear. And we take the metaphor of that. The viewpoint in India is clear because the pollution is clear. The viewpoint in our own lives will also clear. And we are going, this is my prediction, that we are going to individually and collectively be able to see things more clearly. The song, you know, this, remember the, the song, you know, I can see clearly now the rain is on. Because I do think that's what's happening. The air is being cleared and we are opening up to something bigger and better. But first, and we can talk about this if you want to go this direction. But first, we have to get through the loss. And I've been contemplating loss a lot. Do you, do you want me to say more about that? Or Absolutely. Because I think that you're sort of indicating that in order to get to this emotional intelligence, this soul intelligence, this clarity that you are describing, we may have to go through some pain. We may have to go through some loss. And so, yes, please speak about what is it that we are feeling why are we feeling it? What's this loss about? So the loss is happening on all kinds of different levels. And I was writing down, when I was thinking about this, I was writing down all the different ways that I see loss happening. And here, just, and I want people to think for themselves as I talk about these, where your loss is happening. You cannot be in this moment and not be feeling some kind of loss. It's just not possible. So here are all the, the different dimensions of loss. There's the loss of your routine, whatever it was. Even if you work at home, there's a shift in your routine on some level. And then the schedule that goes with that. There's a loss of the way that you contact people, the way you connect with people. There's the loss of the connections themselves. People you may see, I heard a podcast or something the other day talking about, I miss work. Like, you know, probably not miss the work, but really miss the connections. So the connections that we have, the way we connect, how we connect, whether it's with a good conversation in person or whether it's by a handshake or touch 
here's the lifestyle. And even if you had a lot of money, chances, I know people who've had a lot of money and their money's being pulled back. So I think in terms of how we spend money and the lifestyle we live, that's also shifting in many cases being pulled back. The other day I had a conversation with two other women about their desire for a haircut, like when they were going to be able to get a good haircut. So that's also shifting. It's all those things that are routine. Another woman talked to me about not being able to get her nails done. Now, um, for you guys that might, unless you're metrosexual, that might not be like a huge loss in your life. But if it's part of your routine and a routine that you really bank on, that's a big one. And just our general freedoms, you know, the freedom to go outside. And so as human beings, there are three things, and I'm taking this just to, just to give you the reference from where this comes from. There's a guy named Lester Levinson who created something called the release technique. And Lester Levinson was a guy in the 1960s who was about to die and went to, had a heart attack, went to the hospital. They said, oh, I'm so sorry. You're, I know you're only 42 years old. He was a physicist and you have a lot to contribute to the world, but unfortunately we have no solutions for you. No, there were no drugs. So he said, I'm sorry, you're going to have to get your, yourself together and go home and, and get your affairs in order. Well, being a physicist, he was good at problem solving. He wasn't going to accept that. So he went back and when he noticed, he was able to go inside his body. And this is like the inner adventure part. So you know, when I say this, just, just, you know, for people who are listening, feel inside your body as I am talking about these things. The three things that he discovered. When he had a positive thought, he felt lighter in his body. And when he had a negative thought, he felt heavier and darker. Now that's simplistic, but he broke the thoughts down into three categories. Category one was when he wanted security, when he was lacking security, he noticed that there was a contraction and attention and, and tension in his body when it was something he wanted. So this in, in terms of our schedules, when your schedule is interrupted, your schedule is a form of safety or security. When that is interrupted, you will have a tension in your body because you are not in the flow of the way your life is. And that interruption will cause you a contraction or tension. You notice that. So that was it, number one. And of course, the thoughts that go with that. Area number two, he noticed was that he, he had a loss of control over his life. Like he, he, could, he couldn't control his life. So that was the second area. And that, that, you know, when somebody tells you get your affairs in order, you've lost control over your body and your life. Think about for us right now, what have you lost control over? For some people, it's, it's their money source. It's, it's the struggle. It's their, who moved back into their house, <laughs> who moved out of the house. You know, but we don't, and the big thing, you know, the big elephant in the room, we, nobody has control over this virus, including the people that are supposed to have control. You know, our, our disease, uh, Center for Disease Control people who are supposed to know this and they don't know. If they don't know, we're all, that's why we're all scared. So we've lost control. We've lost security. And then the third area that he delineated was the area of approval. Because when you don't have people's approval that you want, and that's the key to all these, wanting something you feel like you cannot have, when you want other people's approval, so you might be living with somebody in your house and you can't get their approval because, you know, it's your child who you never loved you the way you wanted them to or something like that, and that's now in your face, then that source of core tension is also very troublesome. So what he began to do was become aware of the thoughts in each of these categories and how they manifested. And he let go of the wanting that he had. He let go of his wanting control, his need for control. He let go of his wanting safety or security. And he let go of his 
wanting or needing approval. Now, that is a very high calling for a human being to do. But because he sat there and committed to that and focused on that for about three months, he actually unwound. And a lot of illness happens in an unwinding. It literally gets wound in our nervous system. It gets wound in the way that we operate. It gets wound in the thoughts we have that reinforce themselves in our, our muscles and tissues, the issues in our tissues that get literally held in our body. And so he was able to unwind those thoughts and how they lived in his body. And as a result of that, he went back to his doctor a couple months later, did all the EKG and all the heart tests. And the doctor said, I have no idea what you did, but you are now completely free of the illness you had. And instead of dying at 42, he ended up living well into his late 70s. So out of that, this technique was born. It's awesome. So what you sound like you're saying, and I'm writing all these things down as you're talking about them, is that it almost makes me feel like this is a, a call for greater spirituality. Yes, yes. Or a religious expression, however you want to put words around that. There's a, there's a sense of freedom that could be obtained should we go through this process that feels, back to your point earlier around a soul intelligence, that the greater, higher potential of the human experience can be better expressed. And that might be what we are to look forward to. Well, it's actually happening. And the way that Lester, just to, to reference him, the way that he said what would happen is as you let go of these things, what you go to, and the cool thing about it, he was a physicist. He was not a big religious man. He was not super into spirituality, although that was certainly in the background of what he did. And whether you're religious or not, the thing that we are moving towards, which is happening to a certain extent right now, is oneness. There is a oneness. oneness. Yeah. The collect, when we are all experiencing something collectively. And when you have experiences with people collectively, you create oneness. It's like, you know, when you're married to somebody or you, you have a family, you have experiences together. That experience, those experiences tie you together. We are all having that right now. And we are having some degree, because we've been separated for a long time, some degree of oneness, this collectivism that is weaving us together in certain ways. Now, it's going to get, it'll get tested in certain ways. You'll have, you know, bump up against divisions, but we're having it with the world. I mean, we are all, we are all in the same problem. You were talking about an astrologer earlier, and I actually talked to one a while back, and I said, so what's your take on all this? And he goes, well, I predicted in a way back in December 20-something of 2019 that the way the charts looked, it looked like we were going into a world war. And I remember him telling me that back in December, and I went, really? Wow, that's pretty ominous. And then he said, we're not in a world war in the way you would think, but we are in a world, world war in our collective hold together energies against a common enemy. Common enemy now is this virus. So that makes sense. So I have a question for you, though, too, because what I've noticed in myself and in the people I'm talking to is that the space for awareness now is fairly abundant. We have time to reflect We don't have the excuse that I have too much to do. I can't really sit down and think about the day or reflect upon tomorrow or journal, right? Because I'm just too wrapped up in the urgency addiction of my life. For better, for worse, there isn't any time for that kind of stuff. Now there's a lot of time for that. And I'm hearing people say, and I'm experiencing this myself, that they're tapping into 
the other side of that awareness, which is something bigger, which is a kind of an intuition is what I guess I would call it, that they're picking up on messages and a gut feel that before they were unable to hear, unable to experience. And I guess I'm wondering what your take is on that. Is that part of what this process is about, is to tap us back into that core that is about awareness, that's about trusting that gut feeling, that it's about something that's not so uh, maybe masculine in some way and more feminine? Yeah, I think that's exactly what's happening because, um, you know, most of the time we are, as as a society, as a world, and I include myself in this, we are really good at distraction. You know, something something bothers us, something we're triggered by something. And most of us can distract ourselves to the point of like, maybe we think about it at night before we go to bed, but then it kind of goes away the next day. And what's happening is we don't have the same distractions. So we're forced to look at the things that trigger us, the thoughts that we've been, that have been harboring inside our beings that have been percolating. And we are now forced to pay attention to our triggers, our distractions, our judgments, our thoughts. And all the things. And if you see them as a doorway, because I can say for myself, just for me to own it, I have been noticing for myself that I am paying more attention to the things that trigger me, that bother me. For instance, here's a small example of that. I'm getting more texts, more emails, collective emails, friends, groups, or whatever. So there might be a I'm overwhelmed. I'm inundated. So I'm not asking for more. But having said that, I'll notice like there'll be a group of people and they're sending a text and I'll hear from a friend. Oh, hey, did you get on that text from there? I'm like, no, I, didn't, I wasn't on that text. You know, like I wasn't included. Right. So that little trigger about being included in thing, which, which you could say is a subset of approval because, you know, people have to approve you in order to include you is getting it's been triggered a lot, a lot. Like, am I being included in things? Because ordinarily I'd just be busy and wouldn't even know, let alone care. So that's an example of something that I'm noticing that's popping up. So what I'm doing with that as they pop up is I'm just, I'm paying attention to that. Oh, there's something else I'm triggered by. And, and I, can, I can look at it. I can laugh at it. I can see it's a form of wanting approval. And then I can let it go. So that's what I've been doing is paying more attention to that. Now, on the other side of that, if you're becoming the witness, the observer of these things, this is the critical point in all this to really be successful with being with this team. I think this is the most important part. When these things are popping up inside you, to watch them like music, like a wave, like going through you, it'll pop up, it'll pop down, it'll go through you. Maybe you want to talk about it, maybe you don't. And let it go pass through you and let them go because on the other side of that, as you watch all that, is that ability to be able to be more intuitive, to be clear, to be even blissful. I'm watching them like the observer. And what I'm noticing inside myself is that I am the most clear, calm, relaxed, and in a place of beingness than I have been in most years of my life as a result of that. And that's the place that intuition bubbles up from it's like a it's a like that bubbling spring in acupuncture it bubbles up from that place i agree with you completely it feels like also that this another way of defining what you said is that we're sort of in a crisis of control that we've lost control in so many ways that the loss that you're describing so well is what we're all feeling 
that this is work that's long overdue. Yes. Is what I'm hearing. Yes. This is stuff that we've been avoiding. This is like totally. I've been trying to be blind and deaf to this. And therefore I create a life of excess and of overwork and of activities, not paying attention, not checking in. My health starts to suffer, all the things that go along with that. Now we're having to no longer avoid those messages and tune in, tap in, turn on, get into that intuitive state, go through the pain of having to face that which we've been avoiding for so long. And and, and I know this is awful because it's like, I wouldn't wish this upon anybody, but I do feel in so many ways. And I think this is what you're saying is this is a huge opportunity Totally. and we can't let this pass. I remember this is odd. And I, but I remember somebody saying that maybe this will only last for a couple of weeks. And I'm thinking now, of course, that wasn't the case. I thought like, no, actually I need more time. I need more time to go through this. I know this is crazy. (laughs) I know that the world is suffering and I wouldn't wish anybody any ill will, but I need more time to get my own lesson learned and my life readjusted. And I'm not ready to go back to school after the long summer vacation, you know, yes. that's kind of the way it felt. Now things have changed and so forth. That was a while ago, but I don't know. That's just my sense about this, but is there any other types of tips and tools that you could give people who might be listening to this and say, I get it makes sense. Philosophically I'm on board, but I'm freaked out. I'm scared. I am. I have health palpitations going to bed at night. How to, how do I get through this difficult loss that you started us off with and start to get to that place where I'm in that oneness? So the first thing that people can do is they can remember a time in their lives because, you know, even if you're 10 years old, you've had a time in your life where it felt like something wasn't going to be okay. And it ultimately, and you had, you went on whatever Bronco ride you went on and then it, and it, and it, and it panned out one way or another, it, it, it worked out. Things always work out one way or the other. I promise you this, things will work out. They will work out. They will even out and things will be okay. But for you, the evidence for you in your life is to remember a time when you didn't think maybe you were going through a divorce or you had a death in your life or you had an illness and things ultimately worked out, even if they didn't work out the way you wanted them to or the way you thought they should. That's that's an important difference there. So that they will work out, they will even out and things will be okay. So if you reference that time and you remember that and you have your own personal history of things working out because that's what they do, they work out. So that's one thing people can do is remember that. The other simple thing is that, and I know this is, this is about as simple as you can get. If you and I both right now, if we just, and everybody who's listening, if you just do this simple thing that you do every day all the time, which is to simply take a deep breath. When you breathe, you expand the moment and you, it brings you so fully and completely into the present moment. I know that's a little bit of a, you know, kind of a, maybe an overused thing, but I do have to say, you know, borrowing from Eckhart Tolle, the power of now and all the other amazing things that I'm sure you're familiar with. The present moment, the the present of the present is really about the breath. The the breath controls your nervous system. And in my, in my book, I didn't sign up for this. I talk about a chemical injury that I had that when I bought a new house and the chemicals in the house over, 
overran my body and they overran my nervous system. So I know about heart palpitations at night because I've lived with them for many, many, many years. I know what anxiety is like because when chemicals invade your body and they take over your nervous system and you shake uncontrollably and your body is nothing but nervousness, I know what that's like. I've lived it. I know what it's like to shake 24-7 for a number of years. So I say this with the full confidence of having you know, live that, but there is nothing that brings you into the present moment and the fullness and the expansion of what's available for you in this moment than the breath. And that is something I had to learn the hard way. And and you may or may not want to meditate, but even if you take even as little as a minute or two minutes out of the day, just to sit and breathe and take some deep breaths, not only does it open up your lungs, but it also, um, it brings you more fully into the present moment. So it's, um, you know, I don't have, you know, a better pill I could give you, although we could have that conversation because there's lots of things like, you know, magnesium and homeopathic remedies and all kinds of things like that you can take to support it. And we could have that conversation, but at the most simple level, your breath will bring you back into your presence and the present moment. I've got two things I don't wanted to add to that. I think you just started a good uh, thought there. We had a, a guest on this uh, podcast a couple of days ago, uh, Dr. Bernadette Hartman. And I asked her a question about this whole event that we're going through and why we're going through it. And why is it a virus that's hitting our lungs? What does that mean about our lungs and this becoming the battlefield for this particular crisis? And she says, well, the lungs represent a lot of things, but one of them is, uh, is anger and, uh, and fear. And that we are having to experience, to your point, this loss that maybe we've been avoiding, this anger, this fear, this loss, and that the lungs are almost like the coefficient of that in our body. And so by breathing through this, we not only get ourselves back into that present moment that you're describing that Eckhart Tolle talks about, but also it helps release some of this pain that we've been holding on to. It does. And also, uh, so I was going to just give you another angle on the lungs there, just from a Chinese medicine perspective. Um, The lungs in Chinese medicine actually represent grief. And I'm not sure what, you know, particular, but I'm just talking about it from a Chinese um, medicine uh, angle. The lungs are representing grief and grief usually comes from loss so here I am talking about loss, and I think the loss was predated to all of this, that, that sometimes things happen in the ethers before they happen in our physical bodies. And I hadn't even thought of it until you said that. You brought up that piece about the physical reflecting, the more emotional angle. But I think that's another big piece to look at. Have you ever noticed that some people get lung disease who've never smoked cigarettes? So this is a good example of that. You remember uh, Superman. Uh, Chris Reeves, and um, all that we he went through when he broke his neck and was debilitated for a very long time. And his wife, Dana Reeves, was by his side. After he died, about I think it was about a year, year and a half later, she developed lung cancer. She never smoked a day in her life, but obviously she had been through grief over many years, the grief of who he had been physically as then after his physical body died, that he was no longer there. That's an example of when grief overtakes you and it has to find itself somewhere in your body. The lungs are the place where grief usually resides and then takes over. So I just wanted to bring that angle up on you. 
that's a great coloring to that. I love it. Really brings us back to that the process through this in part is by paying attention to our bodies and letting our bodies be part of the teacher in this curriculum, if you will. Yeah. You know, and the other thing I've been aware of, and I'm curious what your thought is too, that we're, we are being asked to disconnect from people. We have to stand in lines over at Costco that are six feet apart, if we can even get in to look for our toilet paper, whatever the case may be. And, and so we are ac- actually being asked not to connect, but that is part of the loss that I think you just described. I'm also seeing more people reach out that I haven't seen before. I'm seeing people connect in ways that they didn't. And I think that's really healthy. I know that with a group of friends of mine, we have kind of a, a, a seven o'clock on Tuesday night, you know, a happy hour where we all pull up our computers and we all watch each other and talk and we grab a cup of coffee or beer, whatever you happen to be drinking. And we never did that before. These are people I've known for years and I would go months without seeing them. Now we're seeing each other every week Yes, and it's extremely healing. So we almost have to counteract this trend to disconnect, to actually find out new creative ways to connect, which goes back to, I think that one of the things you talked about is loss can lead us to this sense of oneness and this sense of healing. And so I'm curious, any other thoughts you have on that? Yeah. Um, I would call this, especially based on your little story there, because I think it's happening all over. I'm going to call this the reconnection. And what are we disconnecting from? We're disconnecting from all the ways that we have been operating. The people that we're normally seeing every day, the habits, all those areas of loss that I name, we're, we're disconnecting from all of that and all the wiring in our, in our neurology that goes with that. But we're reconnecting with old friends, with new ways of interacting, and back to the point I made earlier in our conversation, with ourselves. We are reconnecting with ourselves in a way that we have not done before. Why? Because the, even going back to old, old friends represent old parts of ourselves. So we're reconnecting back with those, those old parts when we're, when we're connecting with those friends. We're reconnecting with thoughts that we might have put on the back burner for a while. We're reconnecting with things that we may have just disregarded or been distracted by. So it's this entire reconnection that is allowing those threads of oneness to to happen and to occur. And on the flip side of that, I'm seeing people disconnect from people that they probably should have long time ago. Yes. If there's something now is the time that I finally got the message that this relationship isn't the way it needs to be, where I feel healthy, it's abusive, whatever the case may be. And now it's up in my face. Now I have time to deal with it. The loss is there for me to see. Now is the time to disconnect. So I'm seeing it on the other side as well. Not as much, but it's about getting whole. It's about getting true. It's about getting back to the authentic self that has been maybe out of sorts for some time. Yeah, because when you reconnect with yourself, you can reconnect with your truth. And part of your truth asks the question of, is this person good for me? I actually have had that happen this week. I had somebody, I've actually had two or three people from my past pop back up. And I had to ask myself, I had to connect in with myself. Are these people good for me to connect with? Are they healthy for me to connect? And I had to think about it and make decisions about whether I wanted to connect with them or not. And so we're having to reevaluate everything. 
relationships, uh, how we do things, what we do. I don't know about you, but like being home all the time with food, like food is there all the time. I have to like really watch myself that I don't like eat potato chips and popcorn all night, you know, just because, and, I, and I'm a pretty healthy person, but the popcorn is always there. The popcorn is like probably a healthier choice, but like the potato chips are always there. You know, it's like, they're always they're, the invitation to eat. I'm not out anywhere. You know, I'm not in a meeting. I'm not out. I am at home with my potato chip. You have to like really realize this is a healthy choice for me. You know, yeah, you know, liquor stores are up 50%. What, they're up 50%? Yeah, the liquor stores are up 50% in sales. Yeah, because, so it's to your point. Right. And nobody, it's like, hey, well, day drinking, it's two o'clock in the afternoon. <laughs> Why not? And and I can't drive anywhere and I'm not going to drive right. drunk. So Exactly. And it, you really have to like, you know, get into yourself and you have, before you put anything in your mouth, consciously or unconsciously, you make a decision about that. So you have to really reevaluate everything that's healthy for you all, all levels totally agree so sandra what's up for you in the future any other things that would be good for us to know any other things you'd be writing what are you doing with your business and also how do we follow you yeah so i'm i'm in kind of a pause space and all this and i'm doing a lot of reflection i'm taking this moment calling it a golden pause and i am because a lot of the work that i do so i uh, I'm a coach and I, I do seminars and I, and I do uh, conferences and, you know, for clients. and a lot of my stuff is on hold right now because I'm obviously not going to conferences. Yeah. People can get me. My website is sandracrow.com. I'm not really active on, on Twitter, Instagram. I'm, I'm on Facebook, uh, Sandra Crow on Facebook and Sandy, also Sandy Crow on Facebook too. I have those two pages on Facebook, but I'm really kind of taking it slow right now, but people are welcome to connect with me and ask any questions. I am still doing coaching and, and I certainly would invite that. And they can email me directly. My email is sc at pivpoint.com. That's P-I-V-P-O-I-N-T.com. And they're, they're welcome to uh, email me directly at sc at pivpoint.com. Last question. Any wonderful TED Talk book podcast that you would recommend people to partake in? Yeah, I think this is a great time for Brene Brown. If people haven't seen that, the one that she talked about on vulnerability, because I think this time we are all vulnerable right now. We're, all, we're not just vulnerable to the virus, but we're vulnerable to ourselves. And I think this is moving us into an age of vulnerability. So if you haven't checked out Brene Brown and her TED Talk and her work, uh, this would be a good time to do that. Wonderful. Well, thank you very much for your time and great insights. Thank you. It was great talking with you, Dean. And um, to be continued, as I like to say. Absolutely. Thank you for listening to The Business of Intuition. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts, Google, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you'd like to learn more about Dean or Mission Facilitators Leadership, go to mfileadership.com. That's mfileadership.com. Dot com.